Well, good morning. Good morning. All righty. It sure is nice to be in the house of the Lord today. And I uh, hope you've enjoyed your time in small group this morning and Sunday school and uh, just hearing what God's Word has for you and for your, for your life today. Uh, again, we're glad that you're here. If you're a visitor with us, either online or in person, uh, if you would, text the word WELCOME to 704-459-5575. That's at the top of your bulletin there. It should be running across the, top, the bottom of your screen if you're watching online. We just want to... We want to welcome you back and say we're glad that you're here, and if there's any way that we can uh, minister to you, or you can minister to us anyway, we want to, we just want to connect with you and tell you hello, tell you we're glad that you're here. As far as announcements uh, this morning, we have uh, just a few announcements. Uh, Wednesday evening at 6 o'clock, uh, we'll have our fall festival. We still have some... Uh, some parking places available for trunk or treats. If you've not signed up to do a trunk or treat, uh, uh, there's a sign-up sheet uh, out here outside the office. I would love for you to, to be a part of that. There's going to be games, inflatables, hot dogs, candy, fun, hayride, you name it. It's going to be a, a good, fun night. So uh, if, if plan to be there. Bring your neighbors and your kids and grandkids, and let's just have a, a good time together. Also, uh, beginning in, a, in, a, in another week, maybe two weeks, uh, we're going to be kicking off a couple of uh, small group Bible studies that'll be on uh, different times of the day and night. Uh, that's also listed in your bulletin. And also, uh, Children's Church will resume today. Uh, so we'll, the, the children will go down at the end or the middle of when I surveyed the Wondrous Cross. Uh, you'll be able to pick them up in room 105 at the end, which will be right down here, right kind of below the organ. So uh, if you have kids that would like to uh, participate in that, uh, Mary and Angel will be guiding, leading them out uh, in just a little bit. As we begin our time of worship this morning, hear from the prophet Isaiah, some select verses from Isaiah 55. He says, Come, come all you who are thirsty, Come to the waters, give ear and come to me, hear me that your soul may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Seek the Lord while he may be found, call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his ways and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he, he will freely pardon for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So it is, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire it to accomplish and achieve the purpose for which I send it out. You will go out in joy. And be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst forth into song before you. And all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Amen. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for the beauty of your creation, God. We thank you, Lord, for our time together this morning. That we've come together, Lord, to, 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 to return to you, to come to you, to, to open up our, our ears and our heart and our mind. For we are indeed thirsty this morning. Thirsty to, to absorb your word. And so, Father, we, we pray today, God, that you would just allow the Holy Spirit to pour into us 
Lord, the message, the word that you want us to hear so that we might be changed from being here this morning. God, we love you. We praise you, God. And we pray this morning that our worship would be pleasing to you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Amen. You know, we have Calvary or we, we need Calvary because we're sinful people. There's nothing good in our hearts. Uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. So it's not going to be a very uplifting message today. It's going to be a hard day. In- indeed. You know, when God created the world, when He created the universe, when He created everything, it was all good. It was all perfect. When He created mankind, it was perfect. It was good. In fact, God said, it is good. But then man rebelled. Man wanted to do things on their own. And so they went against the, the, the instruction of God and rebelled against God. And, and as a result, sin came into the world. And it separated us from God for all of eternity. And after that happened, God gave us the law, the Mosaic law that, that put into place numerous laws that, were, that, that man was to follow without deviation. The law was the revealed mind of God. We, we call it the Torah. It's found in the Torah in the first five books of the Bible. But God's will is His commandments, and His commandments is the law. And God's law is also, it's comprehensive, it's universal, and, and it's supreme above every other law, every other man-made law. God's law is supreme. In the Mosaic Law there, there were 613 different laws that had to be obeyed and followed, again, without fail. And what that did, it, 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 it was completely impossible to follow all 613 laws. And for that reason, the laws help us to see our sinfulness. It helped us to see our unrighteousness. It helped us to see how far off of God's mark we really are, how sinful we are in compared to a perfect and holy God. Amen. We think about the Ten Commandments and, and uh, which are found within uh, the, the Torah, within the law. You shall not have no other gods before me. You shall make no idols. You shall, take, you shall not take the name of the Lord in vain. Keep the, the, the Sabbath holy. Honor your father and mother. Amen. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And you shall not covet. Now let me ask you this. How many of you have ever told a lie before? Keep them up. I want to see. That's right. Okay, so, so how many of us have ever stolen anything? Raise your hand. Now we've got some liars in the group again. How many of you have ever uh, said you, you hated someone? My goodness. How many of you have ever said that you have, or how many of you have ever lusted after someone? What do you call someone that tells a lie? A liar. Okay. What do you call someone that, that steals something? A thief. What do you call someone that hates someone else? Well, the Bible calls it a, a murderer. Okay. What do you call someone that lusts after someone else? 
The Bible calls that an adulterer. <laughs> wow. We got a lot of work here to, to do, don't we? I mean, we've all just admitted that we're a bunch of lying, thieving, adulterous murderers. <laughs> My goodness. We got a lot of work to do, don't we? <laughs> but how does that make you feel? Human. It, 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 how, how does that make you feel to know that, that we're categories like, categoried like that? That's not too good of a feeling this morning. But you know what? That's exactly how God sees us in, in his, through His eyes. And I wonder if the problem of the church today is that we don't see or don't acknowledge our own sinfulness as seen through the eyes of God. Let me say that again. I wonder if the problem in the church today is that we don't see or we don't acknowledge our own sinfulness as seen through the eyes of God. Romans chapter 3 verse 10, it says, uh, tells us that, that there's none righteous, no one. Romans 3.23 says, tells us that everyone has sinned, that everyone has fallen short of the glory of God. Turn with me, if you will, to Romans chapter 3. And we're going to pick up there as you're turning uh, to Romans, Romans chapter 3. We, we're leading up to that. We find in, in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, that the, that's the theme of the book. Uh, as Paul wrote to the Romans. And he says in verse 16 and 17, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Stop right there, and I wonder if we need to ask ourselves, do our actions suggest our shame of the gospel? Are we living a life that does not reflect the goodness of God, the love of God, the actions of God? He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Amen. And so that's, that's the theme of the book of Romans. And Paul goes on to unpack that throughout the book. And, and he continues in chapter 1 and, he, and he, he argues for the unrighteousness of the Gentiles. And then he moves in chapter 2, he addresses the unrighteousness of the Jews. The Jews, the Gentiles, and then in verse 3, he considers the unrighteousness of all mankind. Putting them all together and, and laying out the unrighteousness of everybody. So again, this is not going to be a pretty nice uplifting sermon. One to, to encourage you. It's going to be a pretty hard one against sin. And so as we look at that, it's going to be found in, in Romans chapter 3, beginning in verse 9. Uh, and it starts off, no one is righteous. No one is righteous. Verse 9, it says, what shall we conclude then? Are we any better? Not at all. We've already made charge that the Jews and Gentiles alike are under sin. As it is written, here it is. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. 
There's no one who does good. <laughs> as hard as we try. There is no one who does good, not even one, he says in verse 12. He says, their throats are open graves, their tongues practice deceit. The poison of viper is on their lips. The mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, and the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world be held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. And so the, the, the law makes us to look to God, look, makes us look inward. It, 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 uh, how many of you looked in the mirror this morning as you were getting dressed? Okay. I can tell some of you did, and I can tell a few of you didn't. <laughs> but that, that mirror shows what's in the reflection. It shows you as you are. Maybe you brushed your hair and put your makeup on, and, but you saw exactly who you are. And God sees us exactly as we are. There's, there's, there's no excuses for our actions, for our, our sinfulness. We find in, in, uh, in, in that passage there that, that Paul succinctly lays out the curse of man. He talks about our, our mind in, in verse 12. He says there's no one righteous, no one, no, no one that's good. How many of you know a good, any good people? Okay. We, we say that all the time. Oh, he's a good fella. That's a good lady. That's according to our standards, but according to God's standards, no one is good. No one is perfect because everyone is sinful and filled with evil in their hearts. And so it says, there's no one righteous, not even one. So we start with a sinful mind. From birth, we're, we're, we're sinful people. I never had to teach my children or my grandchildren to sin. They just picked it up. You know, they, they just knew. I, didn't, I never had to teach them to be ugly to each other, to be mean to each other. They just, you know, it just came out. Yeah. Even at, you know, Noah and Emery are two years old. Two years old, they know how to be ugly. They know how to back talk. Okay, they know how to be mean. They know how to hit each other when, when they don't get their way. <laughs> we, we didn't teach them not to share. You know, I, I talk about them all the time, about how, how great they are and how much I love them and all that. But in fact, we're all born liars and thieves and murderers. Wow. According to God's standards. In verse 11 it says, there's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. You see, we only seek God after He seeks us. Verse 12, all have turned away. They have together become worthless. And that word worthless there has a better connotation of, uh, of means being soured. 
How many of you have ever just grabbed up a glass of milk and taken a drink only to realize after it gets about halfway down you probably shouldn't have done that? <laughs> and, and you get it up there right when you take a swallow, you smell it and it's not right and you get stuck. That's, that's nasty, isn't it? <laughs> That'll ruin the Oreo in a hurry, won't it? <laughs> but that's what the idea here is behind this. It's, it's a, that together we've become worthless. We're, we're sour, we're sour smelling, sour tasting to the Lord. There, there's no one who's, who does good, not even one. It says there's, there's no understanding and no one seeks after God on, on their own. There's in essence, there's no desire for God. There is no goodness outside of God. Are polluted because sin dominates our mind. It dominates our hearts, our will, our emotions, our, our affections. And it does because evil lives in our heart. It was born there. We were, we were born with it. And so I want you to look here in verse 13 and 14. Paul compares four body parts, okay, uh, to our depravity, to how far away from God we are, to, to describe our, our sinfulness. He says their, their throats are open graves, their tongues practice deceit, the poison of vipers is on their lips, and their mouths are full of cursing and, and, and bitterness. He says our, our throats are are open graves. Have you ever smelled death before? Have you ever smelled human decay? Maybe, maybe not, but, but we've all probably come upon a, an animal that's died. It's been dead for several days or several weeks. A dog or a cat or or whatever it might be. But that smell is, it's repugnant, isn't it? It's, it's sickening. Our throats, as it, as it speaks, is, is disgusting and repulsive in the sight of God. It talks about our, our tongue being full, of, being full of deceit. It says our tongues practice deceit okay I said we, we, we all agreed a minute ago we're all liars okay we're all deceitful people in fact we were we were born that way we are deceitful in our in our sinful condition have you ever heard the, the expression well you know he's lying if his lips are moving <laughs> you, you ever heard that it's our human tendency to deceive people, to, to, to lie to people. We're, we're born liars, and so we, as a person, have to overcome that and fight against that. It's often used to, for, for, to better ourselves and to make ourselves look, look better in the sight of other people. But it says that our tongues are full of deceit. And, and in the third body part, it says our lips are filled with poison. It says the, the poison of vipers are on our lips. The viper here refers to, or, or is like a rattlesnake or a, or a copperhead maybe. 
and you've seen them out uh, running around here lately. And, and interestingly enough, not copperheads, praise God, but, but I found a snake at the back door two weeks ago and a snake at the front door of the Hope Center last week, this week. So I used it on Wednesday night. I said, you know, we got to keep the devil out of the church. <laughs> you know, and that, that old serpent was trying to get in, and, and Satan tries to get in all the time, doesn't he? All he needs is a foothold to get in. And, and he tries and tries all the time. But, but that viper there, it's akin to what we would see today or know today as a copperhead. And it says that that, that poison is on our lips. And you think about the copperhead. In their throats are, 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 is a sack full of venom. And it just sits there and everything's okay until they're provoked. And then what happens? The fangs come out, don't they? And they inject their poison into their enemy. Think about that. The, the, the two things are, are two things there on our face, our, our tongue and our lips. It says can be more destructive than the viper or more destructive than the copperhead. More destructive than that venom that's injected into its enemy. Some of us have been have been hurt by those poisonous words. It's been said to us or about us, haven't we? We've all been hurt in some way at some time by, by what people have said. Again, they were talking about you or making fun of you. Or... But then on the flip side, we also have said things that have hurt other people, haven't we? Sometimes intentionally. Sometimes unintentionally. And so we've been on the receiving end of being injected with that poison from the lips and we've also given that poison uh, to other people. And so then the fourth thing he talks about is, is our mouths are full of, of cursing and bitterness. Folks, we all live in a, in a vulgar, profane, violent society. A place where the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is blasphemed without a thought. It rolls off people's tongues and never, they never even give it a thought. We act wickedly because that sin is in our hearts. We, we are born with that sinful heart. And the Bible says that whatever's in our heart comes out. Amen. And so we have to inundate our heart with the goodness of God and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So that is what comes out, not the evil that's there. We try to purge that out of us. And then and in verse 15 it says that their feet are swift to shed blood. Again, we live in a, in a violent society. Turn on the news, open the paper, open the, your computer, and violence is rampant. It's everywhere. Amen. There was an MIT study that was done several years ago, and it said, a child born in America in the 1990s has a greater statistical probability of being murdered than an American soldier in World War II. That is alarming. Well, let's face it, there, there's little to no respect for authority. 
in our world today. The rule of law is, is being uh, abandoned and, and folks, we're quickly becoming a, a lawless society and the value of life is not valued at all. People just soon shoot you and take your money as they had to do anything else. Verse 16, it says, Ruin and misery mark their way. The way of peace they do not know there is no fear of God before their eyes. You see, when there's no peace and when there's no fear of God, misery sets in. And there's no defense for our, for our sinfulness. There's no defense, there's no excuses that we can make for our actions, for our deeds, because we're just found, we're simply found guilty in the eyes of God. Again, I know that this hasn't been a very uplifting service, has it? We've all been kind of dogged this morning and, and kind of run down. But that's what God sees in fallen man. It, all this today has been negative and, and we're all sinners and there's no valid excuse we can make to God for our actions. We're all guilty of sinning against a holy and righteous God. So what are we to do? I want to give you some good news today. There is a cure. There is a fix. And it's good. You see, as we said earlier, God's law makes us to see our faults, makes us to see our failures, in com not compared to each other, not being good to this person or that person, but how good are we compared to God? And we compare ourselves to God, there is no comparison. In other words, the law was impossible to keep. And so it made us see our, our desperate need for a Savior. It makes us see our desperate need to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That only through Him forgiveness will come our way. It says in verse 19, it says, <clears throat> Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced. Again, there's no excuse. We have no, no argument for God against our, our sinful ways. And the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the work of the law. We can try our best to keep the law, but we're never going to be able to, and so we can never be claimed righteous before God. It says, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. Let me share with you Galatians chapter 3, verse 23. And following, it says, Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was come would be revealed. Amen. So the law was our guardian until Christ came. That he might be justified, that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. Amen. You see, we're under the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ now. Praise God. That we don't have to keep those unkeepable laws, but we fall under the grace of Jesus Again, the law was put into place to, 
to lead us to Christ, that we might be justified through our faith in Christ. And the New Testament demonstrates God's love for us by providing salvation to those who choose Him. Let me ask you today, have you chosen Christ? Have you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior? If not, we're still separated from God. If not, you will be damned to eternal uh, damnation. But with God, you'll have everlasting life. It says in Romans 5, 8, But God demonstrates His own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, God is the God of yesterday, today, and forever. And as He was on the cross, as He was going to the cross, He knew of our sin today. And He died for us. Yet while we were still sinners. Some people will say, well, I'm not good enough to be saved. I've got to get straightened up before I join the church. I've got to get straightened up before I accept Christ. I, you know, I've got to get better. I've got to do better. I've got to live a better life. This verse right here. You see, we'll never be saved until we admit that we're a moral failure. And right here, to acknowledge that, that we need Christ's forgiveness. This verse doesn't mean that, that we need to get cleaned up first. It says, it says, while we were still sinners. While we're in the midst of that sin. While we're in the midst of, uh, of still sinning, God says, I want to come in and provide salvation for you. I want to come in and offer you forgiveness. I want to come in and change your life. The Bible says that in Christ we're a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And He wants to get rid of the old and bring the new and a new life in Christ. Amen. Amen. He goes on in verse 21 and He says, now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. The righteousness is given through faith in Christ Jesus to, what does it say? To everyone, to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. He says in verse 25, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to, receive, to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate His righteousness. It says because in His forbearance He had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished, but He did it to demonstrate His righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Christ Jesus. Folks, let me tell you today that, that God doesn't want anyone separated from Him. God doesn't want anyone to spend eternity in hell. God will never... You choose where you will spend eternity. You choose Christ... And heaven, or you choose, you choose Satan and hell. And that choice is yours. You choose God's way or you choose your way. Because you see, God is willing to forgive our sinfulness. God is willing to, 
to, to forgive our iniquities. The evil that we, uh, the, the, the lying and the stealing and the murdering and the adulterous life. God is willing to forgive all of that. In fact, He gave His Son who died on the cross, who was raised from the grave so that we could have that forgiveness, so that we could have that hope of eternal life in Christ Jesus. Maybe you said, well, Russ, I've already accepted Christ. Praise God. But that evil's still there. That that sin is still there. That sin still plays out all the time. Let's ask ourselves this morning, what is it in our life? What, what sin in our life do we need to acknowledge today? Is it pride, arrogance, unforgiveness? Is it selfishness? Is it gossip? Is it discouraging words against someone? Is it a hateful heart? Is it hurtful words or, or actions? Is it prayerlessness? Is it lying? Is it lusting? Is it not being a witness? Is it not being in devotion? Is it not being committed? What is it? What is it for you today that that God wants you to acknowledge before Him? In Jeremiah chapter 3, which we studied several weeks ago, this is what the Lord says, My, My faithless people come home to me again, for I am merciful. I will not be angry with you forever. Only acknowledge your guilt. Admit that you rebelled against the Lord your God and committed adultery against Him by worshiping idols under every green tree. Confess that you refuse to listen to my voice. I, the Lord, have spoken. And James says, So humble yourselves before God. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up in honor. What is it in your life that you need to acknowledge before the Lord? today. Pray that you'd search your hearts. You would allow yourself to be humbled before God and draw near to God. As we sing our hymn of of invitation, Jesus, Jesus, just keep me near the cross. Keep our eyes focused on the cross, the goodness of God, the salvation that comes through the cross. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, our our hearts are indeed filled with with sin. I've mentioned a number of them only to name a few. Father, today we, we indeed search our hearts for each one of us are dealing with something different. 
something has a hold on us, God, that we can't seem to let go. There's a sin in our life that, that, that is being a barrier between us and you. You tell us to, to humble ourselves and, and come to you, that you'll come close to us. You say, let there be tears for what we've done. There to be sorrow and grief. And, and again, I wonder if we indeed see our sinfulness the way you do. Because surely if we do, we will be drawn to tears. And so, Father, as we search our hearts today, we pray that you would hear our prayers as we come to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.